بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So once again I would like to welcome all of you uh, perhaps some of you didn't come last week so for, this, for some of you, this might be the first time that you've been into our new setting in the Kelima Villa. For the brothers, the space is a little limited. For the sisters, we have a bit more space upstairs. But inshallah, this new setup that we did this week, the aim is to get as many brothers in this room as possible so that we don't need to fill up the other side of the villa where the people can't be involved and they're a little bit, you know, they're a bit distant, inshallah. As many of you know, we rotate our classes on a Friday night between the first week and the third week and then between the second week and the fourth week. So the first week and the third week of the month, we do the names of Allah Azza wa Jal. And the second week and the fourth week, we do general topics, Friday night reflections. So this week, we are resuming our topic on the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have reached the point of four names today. And they are Al-Afu, and Al-Ghafoor, and Al-Ghaffar, and Al-Tawwab. So four more names. I think so far we've done like about 16 or 17 classes, something like that. And some of the classes had more than one name in them. So we probably reached somewhere around 20 names, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less and in this class inshallah ta'ala we're going to do four names together and those names are Al-Afu and Al-Ghafoor and Al-Ghaffar and Al-Tawwab and inshallah ta'ala as always we have a methodology in this we follow the book of our Shaykh Shaykh Abdul Razzaq and Abdul Muhsin Al-Badr, Hafizahumullah. And we generally, and we quote from the book in parts, and we just like add where it needs a little bit of explanation for people, where maybe people might not understand. We just add some points in there. But the key thing about this is that we need to take different, or, or generally the book in general follows this methodology, that we first of all understand where this name of Allah comes in the Quran and the Sunnah. And then we understand an explanation of what this name means. And then finally we talk about how to implement it in our lives. And the last bit for me is very, very important. Because the fruit of knowledge is to act upon it. It's not for us to sort of just collect information in our heads. This is something that a lot of people do. They learn lots about Islam. But they just collect, they just store information. They become a bit like a, a human Google, you know, like they've just collected a whole load of information in their minds. But that information has no practical application in their lives. And in reality, this is more likely to be a cause of punishment than a cause of blessings. 
It's closer to being a cause of punishment To gather knowledge that has no practical implementation Is closer to being a reason for punishment Than a reason for Allah's blessings So it's extremely important that we study How to implement these names in our lives Practically So we really understand the names And we understand what they should mean for us so that we can really make this a part of our lives and if we just reflect upon the percentage of the Quran that deals with Allah's names and attributes I'm not going to give a specific number but do we think it's small or do we think it's large a large percent of the Quran deals with Allah's names or it's just mentioned a few times a large percentage almost every ayah that you read has a name of Allah in it or is connected to a name of Allah or an attribute of Allah. So it's important. And that means that this is one of the most fundamental pieces of knowledge that Allah Azza wa Jal sent His Prophet with. And it has been said, and I think we've quoted from this in the, in the beginning of the, the classes, this famous statement, Man kana billahi a'raf Whoever knows more about Allah Fears Allah more Whoever knows more about Allah Fears Allah more And does more worship of Allah And does less disobedience of Allah All of those things come when we know Allah more And when we implement that knowledge in our lives so that's just to remind ourselves why we're here, what we're doing, inshallah ta'ala. And we will begin with the explanation of these names Al Afu, and Al Ghafur, and Al Ghaffar, and Al Tawwab. So, as usual, the Shaykh Hafizahullah ta'ala he begins by mentioning the ayat of the Quran which contain these names. And the first one he mentions is from Surah Al Hajj, ayah number 60. That Allah Azza wa Jal says, ذَلِكَ وَمَنْ عَاقَبَ بِمِثْلِ مَا عُوقِبَ بِهِ ثُمَّ بُغِيَ عَلَيْ لَيَنْصُرَنَّهُ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا عَفُوٌ غَفُورٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذَلِك That being said, and what is passed before, and whoever takes a recompense or whoever I don't want to use the word revenge because it might not be the right, people get the wrong context from it. But whoever takes recompense with equal to that that was done to them, and then they are transgressed against, and after they have, you know, they've only done what is fair, they are transgressed against. Allah will help them. And then Allah says at the end of the ayah, indeed Allah is afuun ghafur. Allah is afuun Ghafur. Two names, Afu and Ghafur. And generally in the beginning, I don't translate the names to start with because till we understand what the meaning of those names are, and then we can try to find the right the right translation for them. Indeed, Allah is Afuun Ghafur. Now bear in mind what we have learned in the topic of the the principles of the names of Allah. That each individual name is perfect And when the names are put together It is perfection on top of perfection 
So it's like and it's it's perfect individual. Each individual name is perfect. But also the combination of the names gives you a different perspective which is also perfect. So here Allah joins between two of his names, between Afu Al Afu and between Al Ghafur. And in Surah An Nisa, ayah number ninety-nine, Allah Azza wa Jal says, "Faulaika asallahu an yafu anhum, wa kana Allahu afu wan ghafura." These people, it is hoped that Allah will pardon them. And this word "asa," when it comes in the Quran, in in normal Arabic. It, we would say it like as a hope Or we hope that Allah will pardon them But in the Quran It's something that will happen Because when Allah says that about himself That's something that's going to happen That Allah is going to pardon them So here again we have Al-Afu and Al-Ghafur Put together and notice that Allah puts them together with the word kana. And the word kana, when it comes in the ayah, the word kana, when it comes in the ayah, it means always. And this is a point the Sheikh is going to bring later on. That these names never, ever, ever, the meaning of it never leaves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not like sometimes Allah pardons and sometimes He doesn't pardon or that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving and sometimes he is not forgiving Allah is always Allah Allah is always and forever and Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Al-Ahzab Ayah number 73 عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا And Allah Azza wa Jal accepts the repentance of the believing men and the believing women and Allah Azza wa Jal is غفور رحيم So now we have Al-Ghafur and we have Al-Rahim put together So we have Al-Ghafur, Al-Rahim we've already done in the names of Allah being the bestower of mercy The one that bestows his mercy so you have to keep these in mind for the link of them. Then Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Al-Fatih, Ayah number 14, يَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Allah forgives whoever He wants and punishes whoever He wants and always is Allah, forever is Allah. غَفُور رحيم. So we have here Al-Ghafur along with Ar-Rahim And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Taha Ayah number 82 وَإِنِّي لَغَفَّارٌ لِمَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا ثُمَّ اهْتَدَى And indeed I am غفار To the one who repents And believes And does good deeds And then is guided Remember these four we will need them Later on and indeed, I am ghaffar to the one who repents and believes and does good deeds and then is guided. And Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَأَنَا التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ I am a tawab 
Ar-Rahim. At-Tawwab. And then he mentioned Ar-Rahim, the bestower of mercy. So let's just take a moment just to look at where these words come from. So we had four words. We had Al-Afu, Al-Ghafur, Al-Ghaffar, Al-Tawwab. Al-Afu comes from the word Afu. Al-Afu. Generally in English we say about Al-Afu, but we're going to come to the meaning later, we say to pardon. When you say Afautu, I pardoned the person. And Al-Ghafur and Al-Ghaffar both come from Al-Ghufran. Al-Ghafur and Al-Ghaffar both come from the Arabic word Ghufran. Like when you come out of the bathroom, you say Ghufranik. And they come from the Arabic word Ghufran. And Ghufran is to forgive. Yani. So when we say it's forgiveness. And then a tawwab comes from the word tawbah. So the word for repentance. But now let's see what the Sheikh explains about these different names. So he says Al-Afu. Al-Afu is the one who wipes out the bad deeds. And this is important that we focus on this because the meaning of the word Afu, we might say in English it's to pardon, but the literal, the proper meaning of it is to erase. To erase a sin. And there's a difference between erasing a sin and forgiving a sin and accepting repentance. Those are different things. So the key thing here is that this word afu, like we say, Allahumma innaka afuun, tuhibbul afwa, fa'fu anna. Oh Allah, you are al afu. You love al afu, you love this concept of afu, wiping out the bad sins. Fa'fu anna. So erase our bad sins. So the, the core meaning of al-afu is, as the Sheikh said, the one who erases, blots out, wipes out the bad deeds. And he overlooks the sins that you do. To wipe out, to erase, and to overlook. He said, and the meaning is near to the meaning of Ghafur. It's close in meaning. That's why the Shaykh put them together in one chapter. Because the meaning is close to the meaning of forgiveness. Pardoning and forgiveness are close to each other. But he said, Afu is more, uh, it's more emphatic than the word Ghafur. So the word Afu is even more, has more emphasis, more power in it, even than the word Ghafur. Because he said, the meaning of Ghufran, so this is Al-Ghafur, Al-Ghaffar, the core meaning is to cover up. And the core meaning of Al-Afu is to erase. So now we have, we have understood that the meaning of Ghufran is to cover up. So when you really are saying Ghufranak, you're asking Allah to cover up your sins. Oh Allah, don't let anyone else know about them and don't let anything bad happen because of them. That's what you're asking Allah Azza wa Jal when you say Ghufranak. Oh Allah, cover up my sins and don't let any bad effects come to me because of them. But the sins are still there. 
in essence they are still there you just asked Allah to cover them and to remove the effect of them the bad effects of sins that come like we talked about in Friday Night Reflections last time we started talking about the bad effects of sins at least we started the topic in Tazkiyat al-Nafs the bad effects of sins so when you ask Allah by his names Al-Ghafoor and Al-Ghaffar you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cover and to stop the bad effects of your sins and when you ask Allah by the name Al-Afu you are asking Allah to wipe it out and erase it as though it never existed in the first place and the Shaykh he said and erasing something is more emphatic than covering it up and erasing something is more has more emphasis when you say like erase it it's more than just covering it up you know if you take those tipex pens and you write something and you you know you cover it with tipex or you take a an eraser and you erase it as though like it never existed so this is the difference between al-afu and for example al-ghafur now we might ask the sheikh he said but he said be careful about something here he's going to teach you a benefit here he said this is when the two names come together but as for when the two names are mentioned separately they both cover the same thing and they both cover the meaning of each other so when you say ghufranak you are asking Allah to cover and erase because the name, it's on its own to cover and erase and when you say Allahumma innaka afuun you are asking Allah to erase and to cover but when you say oh Allah you are afuun ghafur you are asking Allah with afu to erase and with ghafur to cover and to stop the consequences of those sins from happening to you so it's not the case that we stop making dua for istighfar we stop saying astaghfirullah because astaghfirullah comes from ghufran you're asking Allah to Cover it. Astaghfirullah. Oh Allah, cover my sins up. Cover up my... This is the literal meaning. Astaghfirullah. I seek for you, O oh Allah, to cover up my sins and to stop any consequences from happening. But this encompasses the meaning of erasing it. But when the two come together in one ayah, the difference between them is that Al-Afu deals with erasing and wiping out and Al-Ghufran deals with covering and stopping the consequences of that sin from happening so now we've understood generally what we say is Al-Afu is the pardoner the one who pardons the sins and overlooks the sins but even overlooking is the wrong word because the essence of overlooking and pardoning still keeps the sin there so even I don't think that pardoning or overlooking is even the right word for it in English because you pardon something that's already there like it's okay I've pardoned you but the essence of al-afu is to completely wipe it out as though it never existed in the first place so maybe you can say that al-afu is the eraser of sins or the one who wipes out the sins and al-ghafur is the one who forgives and conceals we don't find it. maybe it's okay to use that I mean in English we don't have the exact right words so we can say the pardoner the forgiver but I wanted to make a point the Sheikh doesn't make here but for you guys it might be for those who don't speak Arabic you're still thinking but there are two names Ghafur and Ghaffar 
those both go back to Ghufran. Uh, Just like Rahman and Rahim both go back to Rahma. So the difference between them, uh, both of them contain emphasis, but Al-Ghaffar gives that extra, I mean, that extra thing that Allah is constantly and, and always forgiving sins. Both of them contain that meaning. Um, one of them maybe contains more of a meaning on the emphasis of it being all the time, constantly. Like it's never a stage where Allah is not forgiving sins. Like it's a constant thing. Uh, and that Allah Azza wa Jal comes back to it again and again. Like even if the person sins again and again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to pardon and overlook and forgive and wipe out the sins again and again. And both of these contain this Al-Ghafoor and Al-Ghaffar. But maybe Al-Ghaffar has that bit more uh, emphasis or, or, or emphasis on the, the regularity of it and the consistency of it and the, the amount that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives. Even though both of them have are what we call Sigatul Mubalagha. Both of them contain extreme emphasis. Both Al-Ghafoor and Al-Ghaffar. And now we come to the meaning of At-Tawwab. At-Tawwab. We said At-Tawwab originally comes from Tawbah. So At-Tawwab is the one who accepts the Tawbah of his servants. But how does he, how does that, like what does that mean? He, he, like in Arabic we say, Taba Allahu Alayhi. We say, Taba Muhammadun Fataba Allahu Alayhi. Muhammad made tawbah, so Allah accepted or took his tawbah. What does it mean for Allah Azza wa Jal to, to take his, his tawbah? What does that actually mean? The Shaykh he said, it means two things. It means for Allah to give you the guidance to make tawbah. The tawfiq to make tawbah. And I want you to think about this. People ask the question about Iblis. Why doesn't Iblis just say Astaghfirullah? All this time Iblis is being told You're going to Jahannam You know this is going to happen Iblis heard the Quran Iblis knows what is in the Quran Why did Iblis not just say Astaghfirullah Then Allah Azza wa Jal will forgive him Because part of the meaning of this name at tawwab is you cannot make tawbah unless Allah guides you to be able to make tawbah. So the thought never crosses Iblis's mind. Even though he hears it, you tell him. He doesn't go into, it doesn't cross his mind to make tawbah. Because Allah Azza wa Jal at-tawwab hasn't put that inspiration to make tawbah within him. Because of what he knows of his sin and his disobedience to Allah and his causing people to be misguided and his hatred for Islam Allah never put the idea of tawbah into his heart and if Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't put the idea of tawbah into your heart you will never make tawbah and that shows you the desperate need that we have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how many of these names did we say the outcome is that you realize your need of Allah Azza wa Jal you realize how much you need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
Because unless Allah gives you the tawfiq, the success, to be able to ask for tawbah, you will never be able to ask for tawbah. And that is why Allah said, ثُمَّ تَابَ عَلَيْهِمْ لِيَتُوبُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ In Surah At-Tawbah. Then Allah accepted their repentance in order that they may repent. Okay, let's think of that again. Allah accepted their repentance so that they could repent in the future. So the ability to repent, it came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed Allah is tawwab, tawwab, the one who is always accepting repentance. And the second thing that the meaning of a tawwab, so the first thing is Allah gives you the ability to be able to repent. And the second thing is that Allah accepts your repentance when you do repent. So Allah gives you the ability to repent and Allah accepts your repentance when you actually ask Allah for it. So it's not only that He gives you the ability, we still have a few seats inshallah, there's one down here inshallah. Allah gives you the ability to repent and Allah accepts your repentance. As Allah said, وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَقْبَلُ التَّوْبَةَ عَنْ عِبَادِهِ وَيَعْفُوا عَنِ السَّيِّئَاتِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ Three things Allah told you about Himself in Surah Al-Shura, Ayah number 25. He is the one who accepts the tawbah from His servants. So in the first ayah, it's talking about how Allah guides you to make tawbah. In the second ayah now, Allah is the one who accepts the tawbah when you make it. وَيَعْفُوا عَنِ السَّيِّئَاتِ And He pardons, He wipes out the bad deeds. وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ And He knows what it is that you do. So Allah told you three things about him in this ayah That he accepts tawbah That he wipes out bad deeds And he knows what it is that you What it is that you do Then the shaykh he said وَالْعَفُوا وَالْمَغْفِرَةِ مِنْ لَوَازِمِ ذَاتِهِ لَا يَكُونُ إِلَّا كَذَلِكَ He said Al-afu Which is pardoning, wiping out the sins And al-maghfirah Al-ghufran Any four Allah's maghfirah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness and his concealing of the sins are from the lawazim of his that, meaning he is always like that. He is always like that. It's never the case that he sometimes forgives and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes pardons, sometimes doesn't. On one day he is pardoning, on one day he is not pardoning. No, Allah Azza wa Jal is not like that. It is a constant always with him and he is never anything except being afun ghafuri and he's always like that there's never a time when he isn't like that and the effects of this and the things that come about because of it constantly encompass his creation in the day and the night so his pardoning and his forgiveness have encompassed the creation with all of their sins and their criminality, all of the evil things they've done. Still, his forgiveness and his pardoning and his wiping out and concealing of the sins, it has encompassed everything always. So he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
has not ceased and will not cease to erase the sins and overlook them and to pardon and to forgive he'll always be known as that and he'll always be described as that as Allah Azzawajal said indeed Allah is always this kana is for this mulazama it's constant it's constantly afuwan ghafura and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَفُوًا غَفُورًا As we recite in Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 43 and number 99, as we heard before. Then the shaykh, he goes on to say, that the shortcomings we have, that are present among all of creation, what do they deserve? Like, if we look at what the shortcomings we, we as, as Bani Adam, forget about just the Muslims for now, we just look at Bani Adam, Look at the shortcomings that we have. What do they deserve? They deserve to have multiple forms of punishment. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His pardoning and forgiveness repel those things that really should happen. It would be right for those things to happen. It would be correct for those things to happen. How do we know this? Because Allah Azza wa Jal told us in Surah Fatir, Ayah number 45. Allah said, If Allah were to take people to account for what they had done, He would not have left a single animal alive on the earth. That is a powerful statement. That's something that should make you stop and think. If Allah was to take you, or Abdullah, to account, and me, for the sins we had done, wallah, you would not see a living being left on the earth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delays them for a time. That is recorded. Ajal, which is musamma, it's been recorded, it's been decreed. When their time comes, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always seeing basira. He always sees what his servants do. And this is from the perfection of his forgiveness and his pardoning. Because if it were not for the perfect forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his mercy and his gentleness with his creation, he wouldn't have left a single thing left alive on the earth. And likewise is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal in Surah An-Nahl, ayah number 61. وَلَوْ يُؤَاخِذُ اللَّهُ النَّاسَ بِظُلْمِهِمْ مَا تَرَكَ عَلَيْهَا مِنْ دَابَّةِ وَلَكِنْ يُؤَخِّرُهُمْ إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّةِ فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهُمْ لَا يَسْتَأْخِرُونَ سَاعَةً وَلَا يَسْتَقْدِمُونَ Allah said, if Allah were to take the people to account for their oppression, He would not have left a single animal alive on the earth. But Allah delays them for a prescribed time. And when their time comes, they cannot delay it anything, not even a single like, period of time. They can't delay it by a period of time and they can't bring it forward by a time. And from this is what is recorded in a Sahihain in Bukhari and Muslim from the hadith of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari 
an, that he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Laysa ahadun, or he said, Laysa shay'un asbara ala adha sami'ahu min Allah. Innahum layad'oon lahu walada wa innahu layu'afihim wa yarzuquhum. There is no one, or he said, there is nothing which is more patient in, res- in the, 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 the bad things yani, that he hears than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, that's, I'm not finding a good translation for that. But there is no one who is aspar, and there is no one who is more patient from the, yani, the evil things that people say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears them saying about him than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say that Allah has a son and yet Allah continues to let them live without any punishing them and he continues to provide for them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to give them health, continues to let them live. They say he has a son. They say evil words about him. They say he has a partner. They worship others besides him and he keeps on giving them. He keeps on providing for them. There is no there is nothing that can have that can be more I mean, subhanallah forbearing maybe is the right word than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at what Allah hears his creation say. And he hears everything. He is a Samir, he hears every single thing. What does he hear his creation say? He hears them say Allah has a son. He hears them worshipping idols. He hears them calling upon the dead in the graves. And yet despite all of that that Allah Azza wa Jal hears, all of these evil words, this adha, these evil words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears, still Allah Azza wa Jal yu'afihim. He gives them al-afiyah and he keeps them like healthy and, and safe in their, in their homes. And he keeps on providing for them. This is something that is, and as we said, this hadith, as best as we can translate, is in Bukhari and Muslim. And the Shaykh goes on to say that the afu of Allah is of two types. The pardoning, the forgiving, the wiping out of the sins, it is of two types. The first one is a general kind. And this is that Allah Azza wa Jal pardons even the most criminal people and the kuffar, the disbelievers, by delaying their punishment that they have done the cause for it. And they've done what deserves that punishment to happen. And if you just think about that as an example, think about the, the, uh, the naqah, the she-camel. With regard to the people of Thamud, yani the, the she-camel that came out. They killed the she-camel. What did they get? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed them three days. They had done what deserved the punishment immediately. But Allah azza wa jal allowed them a time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his infinite pardoning and forgiving is that even the kafir and the mujrim even the criminal and the disbeliever he gives them some time 
He gives them another chance, an opportunity or a time for them to be able to change Even though they have done the causes of what would bring about his punishment They've done what necessitates his punishment to happen And they've done what necessitates for all of the blessings of Allah to be taken away from them They say evil about Allah by cursing him, by making partners with him and other things that they, you know, they do against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yet Allah Azza wa Jal keeps on giving them their safety and security in their homes and keeps on providing for them and their health. And He keeps on giving them the blessings, those that are apparent and those that are hidden. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the whole dunya out in front of them. They say these evil words about Allah and Allah still put the dunya out for them. Yes, we know as Muslims that all these people will have is the dunya. This is their jannah. They will not have anything else. In the akhirah, they will have jahannam. But still, do they even deserve the dunya? They don't even deserve the dunya. They don't even deserve that Allah Azza wa Jal has given them water to drink after what they've done to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from these evil words that they've said and these evil actions they've done and they've ignored the rights of Allah, they don't even deserve to be able to breathe the air. But still Allah gave them the dunya from his afu, from his pardoning and his forgiveness. And from this pardoning and his forgiveness is that Allah has delayed for them a time. So some of them will have an opportunity to be to be guided and to repent Some of them will not Some of them will have an opportunity To be guided and to To repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And this is from his pardoning And his gentleness Towards his creation subhanahu wa ta'ala That is his general Forgiveness and pardoning But then there is a specific kind of Forgiveness and pardoning And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Specific Pardoning and forgiveness that he gives to the people who make tawbah and the people who make istighfar and the people who make dua to him and the people who worship him and those people who are afflicted by calamities but they expect a reward from Allah when a calamity happens so whoever makes tawbah to Allah with a sincere tawbah sincerely for the sake of Allah that is comprehensive Yani a tawbah that is, we say, when the shaykh is explaining what is the meaning by tawbatan nasuha. What is the meaning of this tawbah that Allah Azza says? Tawbatan nasuha. When he tells the believers to make tawbah to him, a tawbah that is nasuh. What does it mean? He says it means that it is only for the sake of Allah. And that it is amma and shamila. It covers all the sins that the person has done. And there is no taraddud, there is no like, you know, doubt or reluctance inside of the person where he's like, should I ask for it? Or, you know, it's half-hearted. He says, oh Allah, forgive me, astaghfirullah. And then he goes, it's not like that, it's pure. And there is no israr, he doesn't keep on doing the sin. He tries, stops doing the sin. This person, Allah Azza wa Jal will forgive them no matter what the sin is. Even if it is kufr, even if it is fusuq, it is the most open disobedience. Even if it is the most evil of sins, every single thing Allah will forgive if a person makes tawbah that is sincere for him, 
that covers the whole sin that he wants to make tawbah from, or all of the sins that he can recall, that he doesn't have any reluctance in it or doubt in it, and he doesn't keep on just you know doing the sin and not caring, and he just does the sin and says astaghfirullah, and he tries his best. Allah subhanahu wa taala will accept his tawbah. And he said, all of them come under the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Surah Al-Zumar, ayah number 53. Say, O oh my slaves that have transgressed against themselves, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah forgives all sins. Even shirk, even shirk. Even kufr, even kufr. Even ridda, apostasy, even apostasy, even sihr, even sihr. Every single sin, any sin that a person does, if they turn to Allah Azza wa Jal with sincere repentance, Allah Azza wa Jal will accept it from them. But if they die having committed shirk, and they haven't repented from it by the time their death comes, then for those people there is no forgiveness for them. Inna Allah la Allah does not forgive you to make a partner with Him, meaning. If you die in that state without having repented. But as for during your life, there is no sin that you cannot repent from. And that is why the famous hadith of the man who killed 99 men. And he said to her, he came to a worshipper, to an abid. He said, I killed 99 men. Is there any forgiveness for me? He said, no. After you kill 99 men, there's no forgiveness. He said, okay, may as well make it 100. And he killed him. Then he went to the alim and he said to the alim, is there any forgiveness for me? And he said, yes. Allah forgives all sins. There is forgiveness for everyone for no matter what you have done. But you need to do this. And he sent him to go to the, the to surround himself in the town where the good people, where they worship Allah and they're fearful of Allah. In that town, go to that town. And then he went to that town and on the way he died. And in some of the narrations it's mentioned that Allah caused the earth to be folded to make him nearer to the town of the good people and to accept him into paradise even though he killed a hundred people. There is no sin that you cannot make tawbah from if you make that effort and you fulfill those conditions. And the shaykh he said the texts from the Quran and the sunnah that mention Allah accepting tawbah from his slaves, no matter what the sin, they are so many, they're mutawatirah. And he said, even al-istighfar al-mujarrad. Now here we have to understand something. What is the difference between tawbah and istighfar? Because we sometimes mix these two up. We like say astaghfirullah, someone say to somebody, make tawbah, and he says astaghfirullah. But what's the difference between tawbah and istighfar? It comes back to the meanings we said in the beginning. Tawbah is repentance. It requires lots of different things. It requires you to feel sorry for what you have done. It requires for you to have a determined intention never to do it again. It requires for you to stop doing what you're doing. It requires for you to make up for the harm that you've done to someone else. It has conditions and rules. It requires lots of things. As for istighfar, it is basically asking Allah to cover up your sin and not to bring any consequences. So in theory, a person can make istighfar without tawbah, but they can't make tawbah without istighfar. And their tawbah has to contain istighfar, because if they've made sincere tawbah, part of that sincere tawbah is they want Allah to forgive them. 
But a person can ask Allah to forgive them from something even if he hasn't fulfilled all of the conditions of tawbah yet. Because some of us, wallah, we haven't fulfilled all of the conditions of tawbah. We don't, like we, we want Allah to forgive us. We want Allah not to take us to account. But we haven't quite got to the stage where we're going to say like, I'm never ever ever going to do this again. So at that point, you're at the level of istighfar. You want Allah Azza wa Jal to cover it and not to bring up a punishment for you, but you haven't quite got to the stage where you really have all of the conditions of tawbah present. But if you have all of the conditions of tawbah present, then you automatically have brought the conditions of istighfar as well. So he said, even the Sheikh said, even al-istighfar al-mujarrad, the person who just does istighfar without proper the conditions of tawbah, just istighfar, even he can get his sins forgiven. How much is the forgiveness of Allah That even the person who doesn't bring the conditions of tawbah Can still get his sins forgiven By asking Allah to forgive them And he mentions a hadith Qudusi In which Allah says And a hadith Qudusi remembers a hadith Narrated by the Prophet About which it comes The Prophet narrates it from Allah In which Allah says Ya bana Adam إِنَّكَ مَا دَعَوْتَنِي وَرَجَوْتَنِي غَفَرْتُ لَكَ مَا كَانَ فِيكَ وَلَا أُبَالِي O son of Adam, as long as you make dua to me and you have hope in me, I will forgive you whatever you have done without وَلَا أُبَالِي يعني I won't, it doesn't matter to me. Ala ubali, it's like I don't care, but that's not, not the right word in English because that's like gives it consider it, it's the wrong sort of meaning. La ubali, it doesn't matter to me. I will forgive you and it doesn't matter. I'll forgive you everything you did. As long as you make dua to me and you have hope in me, I'll forgive you no matter what you've done. Yabna Adam, O son of Adam, if your sins reached up to the, to the top of the heavens, the roof of the heavens, and then you asked me to forgive you, I would forgive you, and it doesn't matter. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Ya bana Adam, law ataytani biqurab al-ardi khataya, thumma laqaytani la tushrik لا تشرك أو لا تشرك بي شيئا لا أتيتك بقرابها مغفرة أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم O son of Adam If you came to me with the or something like the size of the earth in sin and then you came to me without making a partner with me I would bring you the same amount of forgiveness it is said that this is Arja al-Ahadith That this hadith is the single hadith that gives you the most hope of any hadith And some of the scholars included this They had a difference of opinion about which hadith gives you the most hope But this is included in the ahadith that people say it is Arja al-Ahadith There is no hadith that gives you more hope than this hadith As long as you make dua to me and you hope in me I'll forgive you whatever, it doesn't matter. I'll forgive you everything. As even if your sins reach the roof of the heavens and you said, Oh Allah, forgive me, I would forgive you and it wouldn't matter to me. 
O son of Adam, if you brought me the equal of the earth in sin and you came to me without making a partner with me, I would bring you an equal amount of forgiveness. And notice here that it doesn't mention a tawbah. This is why the Sheikh talked about al-istighfar al-mujarrah. Just saying astaghfirullah can bring you this. So how about if you say astaghfirullah with the conditions of tawbah? This is even more and even closer to the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this hadith narrated by Imam al-Tirmidhi. And likewise from the pardoning of Allah azza wa jal is that he has made the good deeds and pious actions wipe out or as an expiation for the evil deeds and sins. As Allah azza wa jal said in surah Hud, ayah number 114, al hasanat Indeed, the good deeds wipe out the bad. And as is found in the hadith narrated by Imam Ahmad al-Tirmidhi and Hakim and others, tamruha. Follow up a bad deed with a good deed and it will wipe it out. This is from what? This is from the afu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah azza wa jal from his afu is that he has made it such that if you do a good deed after a bad one, the good deed will wipe out the bad one. And from this is that Allah Azza wa Jal from his afu is that he causes calamities to happen to you, that these calamities that happen to you in yourself or your children or your wealth wipe out your bad deeds. So next time a calamity happens to you, what do you remember? This is from the mercy and the pardoning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That this calamity has happened to me And some of the people they say Well Allah is punishing me We say to them yeah, If this was the, the, the main The serious punishment of Allah You would not be alive to be able to tell the people That Allah is punishing me Like the people of Ad And the people of Thamud And the people of Al-Mu'tafikat And the people of, the people of Nuh and they did not live after that to be able to say that Allah is punishing me. Rather, Allah Azza wa Jal is giving you some of the minor punishment, some of al adab al-adana, yani the minor punishment, as a way to wipe out your sins and a way to make you remember and turn to Him in tawbah. So from the pardoning of Allah Azza wa Jal is that He tests you in your self and your children and your wealth. Especially the one who expects his reward from Allah when these things happen And he begins to have patience and contentment So Shaykh said patience and contentment Two things, you have to have patience and you have to have contentment Patience is the first level And you aim to get to the level of contentment Where not only are you just patient for bad things that happen to you But you become content with it you become happy that, oh Allah, this is what you've decreed for me. I'm happy with what you've decreed for me. Even if that means that you have lost someone's life or some uh, loss of children or loss of wealth. But you're happy with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed. And that is something that is easy to say and extremely difficult to do. But the Sheikh here mentioned something that I, I really wanted to highlight. Notice how two people can be afflicted by a calamity. How do we know which one is being punished and which one is getting the forgiveness of Allah? 
We know it by the action that the person takes when the calamity befalls them. If the calamity befalls them and they have sabr and rida, this is the person that Allah is giving them a calamity to forgive them. And if you see the person gets angry with Allah and he becomes like those people said, like, uh, or he becomes like those people that Allah spoke about them, فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانُ إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعَّمَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمًا وَأَمَّا إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ فَقَدَرَ عَلَيْهِ رِزْقَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَهَانًا كَلَّا Allah said, as for, them, as for the man or the men, when Allah tests them with something, by giving them everything they want, فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعَّمَهُ He gave him everything he wants, every blessing he needs. He says, Rabbi Akraman, my Lord's really good to me. And when he gets tried by losing some of his wealth, he says, Rabbi and Allah doesn't care for me, Allah is disgracing me. When you see a person like this, this is his response to the calamity, this is the punishment of Allah that is there to wake him up and to make him and that's part of the pardoning of Allah anyway because it's Allah's forgiveness that he didn't take him away for that sin that he did that he left him a chance to repent but this is closer to punishment because his response to the calamity is not a response that is pleasing to Allah he gets angry with Allah like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, I think if I'm not, not mistaken, in Surah At-Tawbah, there are those people who, with regard to the sadaqat, that when he's given the sadaqat, they're happy. And when they don't get the sadaqat, then they get angry, and they, they get furious, and they say, why have I not been given? When you see a person in that situation, this is closer to the punishment of Allah Azza wa Jal. And when you see a person that is suffering a calamity and you see a sabr and a rida, you see patience and you see contentment, then this is closer to the forgiveness of Allah. Even though there is a certain amount of overlap, because at the end of the day, Allah causes these calamities to happen as a result of our sins, but also to remind us to turn back to Him. But if you see the servant after he's been reminded and the calamity fell and he said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un, and he has sabr and he has patience and he has contentment, then this person is a person who has achieved the desired result out of the calamity. They have turned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so now Allah is forgiving their sins and pardoning them. But as for the one who is angry and discontent with Allah Azza wa Jal, this person has yet to achieve the benefit from the calamity of making tawbah and turning back to Allah Azza wa Jal, even if the cause of that calamity is the sins, are the sins that we have done, as Allah Azza wa Jal said, al-fasadu fil That corruption has appeared on land and at sea because of what the hands of men have earned. And then the Shaykh, he said, from the huge forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that the servant does the biggest sins and the most criminal things and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps on being latif with him. We did a latif in, in the previous time, like that Allah keeps being subtle and gentle and kind. We said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, latif, one of the meanings is that he blesses you in subtle ways. His blessing comes, sometimes it comes in front of your eyes, you can't miss it. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you blessings in very subtle ways. 
Like you didn't see it at first And then it turned out to be a big blessing Subhanallah So Allah keeps on with this lutf This gentleness and this subtlety With his slaves Even though they do the worst of sins And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Opens the servant's heart to tawbah And Allah accepts that tawbah from them Rather Allah is happy Allah yafrah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets happy in a way that is befitting to his majesty and his supremacy when one of his servants makes tawbah. Even though Allah is ghaniyun hamid. Now think about this. Allah is the most rich. He doesn't need anyone. He is the one deserving of all praise. He is not benefited by the obedience of his creation. And he is not harmed by the disobedience of his creation. But still Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes happy with the, with the tawbah of his servant. That's from his forgiveness and his pardoning that Allah Azza wa Jal becomes happy with the forgiveness or the, the tawbah of his servant even though the sin of that servant didn't harm Allah and the tawbah of that servant didn't benefit Allah but still Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes happy and we know this from the hadith of Muslim in the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu an from the Prophet sallallahu that he said that Allah is ashaddu farahan is even more happy with the tawbah of one of his slaves when he makes tawbah to him than one of you if you were upon a riding beast in a barren land then the riding beast ran away from you and it had on it all of your food and drink so the man despairs of the food and drink and he comes to a tree and he lies down in the shade of the tree without any hope of finding his riding animal again. So while he is in that state, suddenly that riding beast comes back in front of him. So he takes the, the reins or he takes the you know, part of what is tied around the beast. He takes hold of it and he says, because he's so happy, Oh Allah! You are my slave and I am your Lord. And he mixes up the statement because he gets, you know when you get so happy and you just, you say something that you got your words mixed up. He got so happy that he says, Oh Allah, anta abdi wa ana rabbuk. Oh Allah, you are my slave and I am your Lord. He makes this mistake because of how happy he is. And Allah Azza wa Jal is more happy than this person. When one of us makes tawbah. And yet that tawbah didn't benefit Allah anything. And it didn't harm Allah Azza wa Jal when we disobeyed him with these huge sins. And the shaykh is saying, look, look at the story of this person making tawbah. The first thing he did, he did a sin in front of Allah that is the most disgraceful and evil and huge sin. And yet in the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy for him to make tawbah. Subhanallah, this is an immense amount of uh, forgiveness and pardoning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And then the shaykh He goes on to talk about the benefits of this for, the, for, for us in our lives And he says It's important here For someone to realize That the servant of Allah Knowing these great names Opens up a huge opportunity For him To reach the highest levels With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says, especially if 
a person does mujahadatun nafs he fights against himself to fulfill what these names mean and to fulfill the meaning of these names in his life and to implement the meaning of these names in his life he says if he, if he does jihadun nafs he fights against himself to be able to achieve the meaning of these names in his life and he understands what they mean that his knowledge of the names of Allah will take him to al-maqamat al-uliya the highest stations with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the highest places in paradise by knowing these names and by implementing them so the one who sticks to istighfar so one of the, one of the things we take from this name is luzumul istighfar that we always keep on doing istighfar over and over and over again we keep on asking Allah azza wa jal by his name Al-Ghafoor and his name Al-Ghaffar to forgive us, to conceal our sins. And we keep on asking Allah for his Afu. By his name Al-Afu, we keep on asking him for his forgiveness. Like in this dua, Allahumma innaka afuun tuhibbu al-afwa fa'fu anni. Oh Allah, you are Al-Afu, you love pardoning and wiping the sins, so wipe out my sins. And you keep on making tawbah All the time And you keep on hoping for Allah's forgiveness So what did Sheikh say so far? He's mentioned Four things That you That come out of Knowing these names Number one Your constant istighfar Number two Constantly asking Allah to pardon you To wipe out your sins Number three Constantly making tawbah Number four Never losing hope In the forgiveness of Allah Number five Al-bu'd Anil qunut He said that you Are far away from despair You be re- You know one of the meaning You get this name You don't feel despair You don't listen to this and think That's it for me You know Like I've got no hope No you have a hope now And that you see the greatness of Allah's forgiveness of these sins. So you see that there is no sin that is too great, no matter what it reaches, no matter how big it is, no matter how evil and criminal that sin is, there is nothing that is too great for Allah to forgive. He said that a person who is always asking for the forgiveness of his Lord and always hoping for Allah to pardon him or is always asking for the pardoning of his Lord and always hoping for him to forgive him this person he is ala khairin azim he's in the best kind of situation the best kind of situation and he said and in this place think about what al-Bukhari and Muslim narrated in their sahih from the hadith of Abu Hurairah from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in that which he narrated from his Lord Azza wa Jal that he said A servant committed a sin Adnaba abdun dhanban A servant committed a sin Faqal, he said Allahumma ghfir li dhanbi O Allah Forgive me And he conceal for me and wipe out for me This sin of mine فَقَالَ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى 
أذنب عبدي ذنبا فعلم أن له ربا يغفر الذنب ويأخذ بالذنب Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said my servant committed a sin and he knows that he has a Lord who forgives sins and punishes because of sins I meaning he wouldn't have asked me to forgive him if he didn't know that I could punish him and I could forgive him then this person does the sin again then he does another sin he says my Lord my Lord forgive my sin then Allah says my servant has committed a sin and he knows that he has a Lord that forgives sins and punishes because of sins then he goes back and does it again he does the sin again my Lord forgive my sin then Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala says, أَذْنَبَ عَبْدِي ذَنْبًا فَعَلِمَ أَنَّ لَهُ رَبًّا يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبُ وَيَأْخُذُ بِالذَّنْبِ يَغْفِرُ الذَّنْبُ وَيَأْخُذُ بِالذَّنْبِ He said, My slave committed a sin, and he knows that he has a Lord that forgives sins and takes people to account for the sins they do. اِعْمَلْ مَا شِئْتَ فَقَدْ غَفَرْتُ لَكَ Do whatever you want, for I have forgiven you. And he, meaning, and the Sheikh said, be careful here, meaning as long as he remains in a state of always making tawbah and always coming back to Allah and always asking Allah to forgive him, do whatever you wish for, I have forgiven you. And this is in the state of the one who keeps on doing the sin. But like the scholars say, he doesn't intend to do the sin, like he's not, it's not like he's insincere. Like each time he says, forgive me, he really means for Allah to forgive him. But then he just... He does the sin again. And Allah in the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اِعْمَلْ مَا شِئْتَ فَقَدْ غَفَرْتُ لَكَ Do whatever you want, for I have forgiven you. And the shaykh, he said, that the causes or the ways to achieve Allah's pardoning and His mercy, the doors are open. The doors are not closed for anyone. Allah will always be, Allah has always been and will always be afuwan ghafura. And Allah has promised, the one who doesn't break His promise, he has promised to forgive and to pardon as long as you do the things that will bring his forgiveness and his pardoning. You just have to do what he told you to bring, it, to bring, to, to bring his forgiveness. That's all you have to do. As Allah said, And this is going back to the ayah that we said at the beginning. And indeed, I am always forgiving for the one who repents and believes and does good deeds and then he's guided so that is what we have to aim for it's not for us to just say astaghfirullah and keep living our life but astaghfirullah and let me try to make tawbah let me try to perfect my belief let me try to do as many good deeds as I can let me try to not fall back into that sin again and that inshallah ta'ala concludes uh, our discussion on the topic of these four names and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is Al-Afu, Al-Ghafoor, Al-Ghaffar, Al-Tawwab to forgive us our sins, to erase our sins, to guide us to be able to make tawbah and to accept that tawbah from us and to make us in this state as long as we live and Allah is the one who is able to do that and He subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that we ask uh, in our dua
So inshallah ta'ala, uh, we will conclude there. We will briefly ask if anyone had any uh, questions they wanted to ask, because I think last Friday I didn't give enough time for questions. Um, generally, I tried to keep the talk to about an hour. We kept it about an hour and ten minutes now, but generally saw that people are not too late. You know, everyone has their own things to do. But just briefly, if anyone has any quick questions they wanted to ask, or anything maybe they didn't understand, or they wanted any clarification, they're welcome to ask. Okay, so this is a question. If a non-Muslim who dies upon uh, disbelief, upon apparent disbelief, can we say that they are from the people of uh, the hellfire? There's no doubt that the disbeliever who dies, the first point is there's no doubt that the disbeliever who dies upon the disbelief is from the people of the hellfire. There is no doubt about that. And if we can be sure, like in other words, we have what is called tahqiq al-manat, we can be sure that this person died in this state, and we don't have any doubt about that, then in that case, the situation of that person is clear. And at least we can say we're not allowed to ask Allah to forgive them, uh, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Tawbah, that it's not for the Prophet and those who believe to seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen, even if they are from their close relatives, after it has become clear to them that they are from Ashab al-Jahim. So if we can be sure that the person died in that situation. But in general, the situation we have is that we, and he, in, we try to speak in general, generalities rather than in, in with regard to individuals, simply because often we don't know the reality of what happened. We don't know the person repented, didn't repent, we just know what we read about them in the newspaper. Yani like five years ago they said something terrible about Allah and today they died. At the end of the day the apparent is we say they are from the people of Jahannam. Yani that's what ap- appears to us. Yani. Uh, but the situation is one of which requires, uh, uh, it requires a person to be careful about what they say. Um, but generally the, the basic principle is that we don't testify paradise or hellfire for anyone except the ones that Allah and His Messenger وسلم, testified that for. But if someone dies in a state of apparent disbelief, then they're from the people of the hellfire. And the important thing is that we treat them as such. Like e- even, even if their issue is between them and Allah, if they made tawbah on their deathbed, that's between them and Allah. But we give them the hukum of the kafir. Which means that we bury them in the graveyard with the kuffar. We don't say maybe he made tawbah, let me bury him in the graveyard of the Muslims. We bury him with the kuffar. And we don't ask Allah to forgive him. And so on and so forth. Uh, so he doesn't have the ruling, the person who dies like that doesn't have the ruling of being a Muslim. However, is it possible that he made tawbah between him and Allah? That is possible. And that's possible in some cases, yani, unless he died openly and saying so. It's possible. But we still give the ruling of the kafir to him and we treat him as a kafir. Uh, and uh, whatever is, is yani, between him and Allah, that is between him and Allah. But the kafir does not uh, have any forgiveness for him. In uh, the hereafter, uh, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best.
I think I gave a comprehensive uh, answer to this question. The question was regarding the people who have a part, yani one of Allah's names as a part of their name. Like for example, their name is Abdul Latif or Abdul Ghaffar or Abdul Ghafoor or Abdul Afu uh, or uh, Abdul Tawwab, for example. Um, and what is the ruling on removing and calling that removing the al and calling that person, for example, Latif? Um, we answered in detail, I think, in the first, very first names of Allah, right, the very, very first one. I'll give you a summarized answer here, but I think for the detailed one, in the very first names of Allah lecture, I think we, we spoke about this, and I'm not mistaken, but I'll give you a summary answer, inshallah. There are three, uh, broadly, yeah, about th- maybe three, two or three different categories in this regard. The first thing is, there are names that if you remove Al from them, yeah, there are three. If you, there are names that if you remove Al from them, you can use them for, uh, for people. For example, Latif. Latif means subtle. Somebody can be subtle. I can be subtle, you can be subtle. So you can call someone Latif. Someone can be Rahim, merciful. You can be merciful, I can be merciful. And Allah called the Prophet Raufun Rahim. So you can be Rauf, you can be Rahim. There are some names that you cannot be even if you remove Al, like Samad, Rahman, and so on. Ilah. Ilah means God. And you cannot say that this person is a God. Even if you remove the God, the only God, and you just put, call them God, you can't call a person God. So you can't call them Ilah. If his name is Abdul Ilah, you have to call him Abdul Ilah. You can't call him Ilah. And you can't call him Samad, the one who needs nothing and everyone else needs him. Because that's only true for Allah. And you can't call him Rahman, the one whose mercy encompasses every single thing. Because that's only Allah. And then there's a third one where you can keep Al but the meaning of Al is not the same as the meaning of Al in the name of Allah Like for example, the statement of a person if he says Al-Malik, The king came The king here is not the same as the king there The king is not the same as the king So this is a case where someone might keep Al and say this is Hadahu al Malik. This is the king. But the meaning of the king is not the same as the meaning of the king. And the two are different in meaning uh, and in application. And those are the three any categories. Uh, and you should be careful which one of these names you, you use, that the person is careful to, uh, to, to put Abd or for a girl to put Amma in front of it. Muta'al cannot be used for other than Allah Because al-muta'al is, is a name that contains pride And superiority over the people And the person who is uh, The one who is superior over everyone else And high above everyone else And that is only allowed to use for Allah Because this is a name of kibr It's a name of pride And pride is only valid for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah Azzawajal, He is the one who His uh, Upper garment is the garment of pride. And Allah is the one who is deserving of being described with the words of pride. And as for pride among Allah's creation, then this is blameworthy. So he has to be called Abdul Muta'al. 
and so on. You can go through the meaning of the name and see is, the name, is that a name that is appropriate to call someone like merciful or like something, or is it a name like the most or the only that you can't remove it from? And if you have questions, you can ask, inshallah. Naam. Okay, that's a very good question, and that's a question. Actually, your question gives us the, the a part of the answer. Yani. The brother he said, many times we hear people say, if you read this name so many times, this will happen. And he said, is this written in any of that hadith? And that's why I said that the question answered the question to a certain extent, because this is the question you need to ask somebody. Bring me your proof if you are truthful. Because these statements cannot be said by a ra'i. They can't be said by your opinion. You have to have a proof for them. So if someone says, if you say, Ya Basit, 12 times this will happen, say, You have to bring me a, truth, a proof. Why? Because as we know, putting a number on something, putting a number on something that doesn't have a number in the sharia falls into the category of innovation one of the types of innovation is giving a number to something that there was no number for in the sharia and generally I don't know from the top of my head I don't want to make a comprehensive statement but from the top of my head I cannot recall a hadith that mentions saying the name of Allah a set number of times that will bring you this calling upon Allah with his names yes saying a particular sentence with a dua in it Three times Like for example saying uh, The name of Allah three times Because the Prophet used to make dua three times When he would make dua, yes But as for saying Ya Basit Or saying Ya Allah A set number of times to bring something I don't know of a single hadith in this regard I don't even recall a fabricated hadith in this regard I mean to the best of my recollection There could be but I don't recall even a fabricated hadith in this regard. And most of these things are from the chapter of what we call from the, the category of hadith. We say, La asla lahu. They don't even have a chain of narration or even a written, they're not even written in a book of hadith. And he, somebody just made them up. And this is a very, very sad situation. Because the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith which is probably the most famous hadith that has ever been recorded from the Prophet ﷺ. مَنْ كَذَبَ عَلَيَّ مُتَعَمِّدًا فَلْيَتَبَوَّأْ مَقْعَدَهُ مِنَ النَّارِ Whoever lies about me deliberately, let him take his seat in hell. So the one who says, and brings these statements and says, Say Ya Basit twelve times, say Ya Kareem three times, say this two times, say this seven times, say this in the morning, this in the evening, unless he brings an evidence for this, he is in danger of coming under this hadith. فَلْيَتَبَوَّأْ مَقْعَدَهُ مِنَ النَّارِ Let him take his seat in hell. Because he is alleging something to be a part of the religion and a part of the Prophet statements which did not come from it. And maybe the only escape he will have is he didn't say the Prophet said it. And he's saying it from his own desires. So he's guilty of another major sin which is speaking about Allah without knowledge. One of the major aims of the shaitan that you say about Allah that which you don't know. So one way or another this person is putting themselves into the gravest of danger of Jahannam. By doing what? By telling people to say the names of Allah. I mean, be careful, ikhwani. Bid'ah is a dangerous thing. 
That the reason we're always talking bid'ah, 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 you see you people just keep talking bid'ah, bid'ah, bid'ah all the time. Because it's something that is so dangerous because you never feel you're doing anything wrong. Nobody ever says, Oh Allah, forgive me for that salah I prayed. Oh Allah, forgive me for that talk I gave. Oh Allah, forgive me for telling the people to recite your names. But if they don't ask Allah to forgive them for this, they're putting themselves at risk of punishment. So the situation is serious. So when people send me these names, sometimes I upset people and I send them back and I say, he, Wallahi, don't say something you don't have an evidence for. Give me your evidence. So I say, what do you mean? Why I need an evidence to say the names of Allah? I say, you don't need an evidence to say the names of Allah, but you need an evidence to give them a number of times to say that will bring a certain reward. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. So Ikhwan, inshallah, we will stop there. I will still be around, inshallah, if anyone has questions. But just so that we give people a chance to, to go, we took a little bit extra time, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.